0: Welcome to Ask the Plasterer podcast, it's from a live stream to my channel, uh, uk for anything that you might want to know about plastering. Enjoy! Okay Chris, 30 year old, 12 years experience. Yeah that's good Chris, I'm 58 and I've been doing it for oh, about 36 years now. <laughs> <laughs> it's loads of fun it's loads of fun mate i wish i I wish i be, been a plumber. All the plumbers I know <laughs> they're doing really well or they have they have done really well over the years <laughs> uh dear uh Max, how would you prepare spongy areas of lava and plaster on balls prior to skimming if it's really spongy mate then um it needs to come off um it's just it's just too dodgy. If you go over any spongy, lava and plaster work, um, then uh, it's not the chances of it holding, uh, I mean, it might hold for a while and look okay, but um, could probably give you issues a bit later on. Uh, if the area you're skimming is large and you want to divide the work area up, can you use a line of scrim tape? Uh, not to divide the work here up. Can you use another scrim tape? Uh, not quite sure what you mean, Blade Boy, about using the scrim tape for uh, dividing the work up into areas. Um, I mean, you don't need to put scrim tape on. I mean, any joints or cracks you've got, put scrim tape over the top of them. Um, joints wise, obviously, you try and cover the a, a, a biggest area that you can. And uh, if you have to put a joint in it, and just make sure you uh, make the end of that. Uh, that first part neat enough so when you bring the second coat up to it for your second set um, you can get a decent joint in it because nothing looks worse on a painted wall than a, a bad joint between two sets. Um, uh, cheers Moza yeah yeah turn the music down because I can't hear it properly so whether there's feedback or stuff I don't know. Uh, John when you're rendering how do you fix your corner beads? Uh, uh, or to get the kick on the bell cast bead. Um, when I'm fixing corner bead on render, uh, I whack the render basically onto the angles first and then I uh, push my beads into it, give them a tap, level them up with spirit level and, uh, and then leave them well alone <laughs> until they've properly set. Um, ideally uh, if I put my put my beads on during a scratch coat with render and uh, I won't go I won't touch them again till the following day so that the beads have gone off nice and solid so when you when you're floating up to those and rolling them off they don't move which is which is great I had years ago in the past stuck some beads on with a bit of bonding but that's a bit bit cowboy especially when you're rendering <laughs> outside um, to, uh, render it to, to get the kick on the bell cast bead um, the bell cast bead I mean you put the uh, you put the gear onto the bottom of the wall, you tap that in, I mean the, the bell part of the bottom of the bead should be kind of sticking out anyway um, like kicking off from the wall um, and then when you lay you're laying your top coat on you, you lay that into the bottom of the uh, of the bell cast on it. Uh, I hope that makes sense to you mate, I hope that makes sense. Um, Love Brown Toast, uh, Love Brown Bread Toast, sorry mate, uh, any thoughts on doing one coat with multi-finish, at least you ain't got a clear block of drains as a plasterer, <laughs> no that's true mate, <laughs> um, multi-finish, um, if you go and buy the book, when you any finish work you do, uh, you do two coats, mostly because the, t- the tight second coat you put on helps to flatten it out, um, which is what you're after, but um, if I've come unstuck before because something started to go off rapid, whether it's because the room I'm working in is far too hot in the middle of a summer's day or the gear's a bit dodgy, rather than it wrecking, I will I will I will I will run a speed skim across it and and trail it up and uh, if it looks nice and smooth and flat then um there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um I've done that on occasions or quite a few occasions um yeah, um, I say it's not by the book thing, but uh, there's nothing wrong. If you have to do a one coat on a wall for one reason or another, as long as it doesn't end up rough at the end, then... Uh, or cause you could do two coats and it could be rough, <laughs> depending on what your plaster is like. But uh, one coat one coat is absolutely fine, if need to be, but it's, it's just, just not by the book. But then the, the guys that make the plaster, I mean, they'd love to... They specify, I'll oh, use two coats, uh, because... You then want to sell you more plaster and <laughs> you chuck so much out at the end of the day uh, if you're knocking up big mixes. Um, Chris, never one coat, brother. Yeah, well, Chris, I've done. I've done um, if if you can only do one coat and it's rough, then. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> playboy. Uh, How much work is there about generally for plasterers prepared to do small jobs? Uh, Probably quite a a bit mate because quite a few people contact me and sort of say oh it's only a little job, I mean sometimes it's not that little but um, most plasterers what they hate doing including me is when people have had any, they've put some new windows in themselves or they've got, they've had an electrician in and there's channels all over the house Uh, the windows need repairing round the edges Most plasterers don't want to do that. I don't want to do jobs like that. They tend to take longer than it does to do a a, a large area. So um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, small potential small job work out there that um, that you can pick up if you're happy to do small small jobs. At the end of the day, yeah. The the plumbers I know love brown bread. Is uh, brown bread toast. Is, um, <laughs> their houses are like mansions <laughs> and uh, I mean they're lovely guys and uh, but um, yeah what well, I might earn in a day a good plumber can earn in half an hour <laughs> depending on what it is they're doing uh, yeah. Yeah. Max what tools do you use for tight areas eg if architrave uh, is an inch, two inches, adjacent wall. Uh, the only thing you can do to get in that small tight gaps around um, architrave, where you got the architrave from the door, about a half inch gap, inch gap, and then the corner is uh, is get this little small small set of little um, little trowels. They're not trowels as such. They're like kind of filling knives on the on a on the funny angle, um, but you can get them from sort of like probably quarter of an inch upwards and uh, they seem to work um, They seem to work fine for me uh, again you can't the best thing with that is to is to get the gear on with one of these little trails in the gap leave it alone and as it starts to pull and uh, and set then you can you can flat they much easier to flatten out the little trail and then a little bit of water at the end do it again uh, fine but yeah that's what you can do um, Ideally, you want to be working up to an architrave because when customers do take architraves off and want you to plaster, <coughs> the original plaster's probably already more than flush with the frame. So when you put your extra plaster on top of that and just go to the end of the door frame, it, when I go to put new architrave back on, it, it wobbles around. So I tend to ask my customers um, if they want to put their new architrave on if they're changing it, and then I will butt my new plaster up to that. Same with skirtings and stuff like that. Just find just find it makes the job easier at the end of the day. Uh, boo, boo, boo. Chris uh, got taught to rule off reveals internals and ceilings when, when skimming. Um, yeah, anything you can you can rule off with a rule mate is good. With uh, skimming with any well with any um, kind of uh, backing coat as well bondings or brownings. I mean, there's a little gizmo you can make out of a piece of wood and a nail uh, when you're going doing a reveal uh, of a window with bonding to make sure you get a nice square reveal at the end of the day. Um, but obviously putting a nail in a piece of wood and running it up a, a window sill, you've got to be careful. <laughs> you don't scratch or cause any damage to the window seal. Uh, but yeah, uh, Chris, rule off. When you can roll something off, mate, then, uh, get a rule in there, rule it off, rule it off every time. Uh, my biggest plastering disaster uh, is used I only had a little bit of PVA left this is going back a long way Um so I watered it down quite a bit put a ceiling on wasn't working for a builder bonded it or a couple of ceilings bonded them skimmed them they looked bloody lovely <laughs> and uh, he ran with it the next day and they would fallen down basically this, this the, the whole lot had just dropped down and uh, so, needed to say. I mean, he supplied the gear, but I did it again for nothing. But um, yeah, I think there was probably that uh, at that point in my plastering career that I started using neat PVA, <laughs> and I've never looked back, and I've never had a problem. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's probably the worst thing that's happened to me. Um, but uh, but it only happened the once. <laughs> uh, John, hello, John. Um, when skimming ceilings, any good tips to get my ceiling line nice and tidy? Um, if you're just doing a ceiling up against an exist- the existing wall that's already there, um, I, run a, I run a cork bead around once the job's finished. It um, just gives a nice finish between the finished ceiling that you've done new and the original plaster that's left <clears throat> around the edge. I mean, you should get it not quite nice anyway, because when you're finishing off that edge where your plaster ceiling meets the wall, you should be running a nice thin brush along there when you're trailing it up. Um, and if you do that and it looks great, then leave it at that. But if uh, if it looks a teeny bit rough here and there, yeah, run a cork bead around it, it's gonna be painted. Obviously make sure it's the paintable cork that you're using. And uh yeah, I often do that. I mean if, if the walls are new as well, then I I don't bother, but um unless for some reason or another uh, one of the angles has gone a bit dodgy but uh yeah anything any new ceilings i finished finish off around the edges with uh, a nice bit of white uh, decorators filler jan hello jan uh first time plastering what did you think about the trade uh well i went to be honest back in 1980 i was a chef Yeah, i'm that old man i'm that old and um A mate of mine that I knew from catering college, he'd become a plasterer in the meantime. I had never seen a plasterer work before. I had no idea what it was like or how it operated. And uh, I went labouring with him for a weekend and uh, was amazed about uh, the amount of stuff he just whacked on a wall. The the biggest thing I'd ever done was fill up a little hole with a bit of filler and uh, just impressed me. And uh, to me it looked like just icing a great big cake. And when I was a chef I was pretty good at icing the old cake so... um, so yeah that i was keen to do that because uh, uh cooking for a living you do get screamed at by those chefs right? and it ain't a nice way to spend your career <laughs> as a chef so uh yeah i caught wait to become a plasterer instead i went laboring after that and then while i was waiting to try and <laughs> get an apprenticeship to uh, to do the plastering but uh but yeah no nah, loved it loved it the way you can transform someone's place and uh, the satisfaction you get from it um, is uh, is amazing, for the first ten years, anyway. After that, it's just a job. Uh... Yeah, I love bread, bread on toast. It's uh, you can't get a shorter name than that, man. <laughs> you do live and learn. I mean, this what on my site it says like experience is everything and it, it so much is whether it's down to kind of customers you've worked for, um the first few jobs I had when I when I when I was a freshman, um uh, you could go on a building site, as long as you had a big trout and said, Yep, I'm a plasterer, they'd start you there and then start you the next day. The work on sites now is not quite as uh, prevalent as it used to be, not quite as much of it. Um but uh, I had a lot of one day jobs. <laughs> where I mean, they would take you on for the day and uh, they did pay me for the day I'll give them that bless them. Um but then they say sorry mate got to let you go <laughs> you know you've done a fantastic job but you've only done one wall and the guy upstairs has <laughs> done a whole room <laughs> so uh, so yeah uh, living uh would you use PVA in preference to blue grit uh, Blade Boy, yeah I only ever use PVA, I've never used blue grit, yellow grit, red grit or any other grit. Um, basically at the end of the day if you need some grit mix some sand in a bit of PVA and use that and uh, works wonders. I mean nine times out of ten I hardly ever do that, only on any odd occasion if there's something I kind of think that it really needs a good key to it, chemical and uh, something a bit rough is when I mix a bit of sanding with a bit of PVA but but generally um, neat PVA I mean I've used I've used just neat PVA on one of those butler sinks a porcelain sink before and put render on it <laughs> and it stayed and uh, you think like sand and cement on porcelain sink just wouldn't stick but uh and that was just stuck with PVA neat PVA I grant you and and it's gone off it's not tacky um, but yeah PVA is amazing, and I buy the cheapest stuff you can get at B&Q, it's about 10 or for a gallon. You can blow a lot on more expensive PVA, but um, my experience is pointless, but um, it's your money. So at the end of the day, and the blue grits and stuff, yeah, I've got no preference for them at all. Jan, what do you think easier now? What with the plastering was easier now or then, Jan, if that's that's what you're asking. Um, Plastering's always been a hard job. Um, things like the speed skim they do they make it easier for you on your on your wrists and your arms and your shoulders and all the rest of it because you're doing a lot less trowel motions uh, when you're using um, speed skims and metal blade speed skims and what have you but um, yeah so I would say it's easier now I mean you could get a fantastic finish then with just a hook and a trowel uh, just like one Marshalltown trowel, you didn't have to use all these. I mean, there weren't flexi trowels and stuff when I started out, but um, but they are good. I mean, I love I love all the new gear. Um, it, it works a treat, helps me out, and uh, with some of the flexible trowels, as long as you don't use them too soon when you're doing a set. If you're using them right at the end, uh, they can give you a lovely a lovely smooth finish on your uh, on your plaster. <laughs> PV with in is the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul, uh, which trade would you prefer to do if you weren't a plasterer? Oh, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, although I said I should have been a plumber because they they seem to earn more money. Um, I don't think oh, I would wanted to be a plumber. At the end of the day, um, the other trade, uh, bricklaying, again can be a good job, but it's, it's always outside, uh, and. Uh, yeah I mean the thing I like about being a plasterer is is working indoors basically at the end of the day Um, because yeah in the winter no, forget it Um, I mean I don't really do I have recently for a customer that um, uh, that I've done a lot of work for uh, I've done some rendering for them uh, about two or three weeks ago and uh, but uh, but generally I don't do outside work anymore because the weather's too unpredictable. I mean this time of year it's obviously bad and it gets too cold. And if it goes below two degrees, you shouldn't be putting any kind of render out outside anyway. But uh, yeah, now I just stick to inside work, and because uh, most of my work now is domestics. I've worked for so many builders and uh, building companies in the past that. Um, I'm at that age where um, you can still you can earn good money on domestic jobs, and and they're just easier. When you you do a job, you get it finished, you get paid, and uh, and you're sorted, which is which is good. John, the uh, best way to break in a new Marshalltown trowel is uh, sand and cement work, John. Um, I mean you can obviously get a sand bit of sandpaper to them and uh, get the corners. Uh, you can nip the corners off but you know, you've got to be careful of doing that with a new Um uh, but basically either sanding it down and or using the uh, doing a lot of sand and cement work Mozart, i'm 64. So, well i'm still at it i'll probably still be at <laughs> it when i'm 80 or 90 mate i think as well probably you and me both uh, I've worked myself up to a sixteen metre square ceiling with a labourer handing me up plaster. I can only just do a bag of multi within fifty minutes. Uh, I have to add water to make it in fifty minutes. How can? Oh, that's what it stops there, mate. I can't see Mozart, I can't see all the rest of your um, your chats. Not come up on the thing. Um, Yeah, it's like anything else, Max, which, um the older you get, you kind of like, I mean, I don't like, don't like killing myself, but um, if I've got a fairly straightforward bit of water to do, I'm quite happy to knock up two bags still, and I managed to get it bashed out. The Speed Skim helps with being able to level your first coat off nice and quickly, so you can whack a bit more on, whereas I might have gone, before I used a Speed Skim, I might have gone back to the beginning just to make sure everything had had a bit of a, another quick trowel over before I carried on putting on more gear, which obviously takes more time and you can't get so much covered. But um, but yeah, that's what I did basically to get like two bags, one knocked out. But I'm 58 now. By the time I'm 64, mate, I might just think, Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm quite happy to just do one bag at a time. <laughs> but if you're doing quite a big job and you're on a, you've you got a fixed price for it, I just like to get them done as quick as I can. Um any reason to use a speed skim as opposed to uh, a hand spatula? A bit more comfortable. Uh, yeah, I mean the small speed skim, the, the sort of the four hundred and fifty mil. If, you, if you're going to buy one of those, you might as well just use a hand spatula with the uh, you know with a, just with a handle. Um, but I use a, well, I use I use a nine hundred speed skim, and uh, it's just because of the length of it, it covers a much larger area, um, and you can get like a eighteen hundred. Or 1200 and 1800 mil speed skims so if you've got a nice clear flat wall or ceiling uh, and you're going across with that uh, then yeah you just cover such a large area and smooths it out um, <laughs> a lot quicker which is the only reason for using them but if you only do using small covering small areas um, then just use an ordinary spatula yeah end of the day, if it's maybe more comfortable with it uh, Cheers. Is that miles per hour? MP8. Yeah. Thanks for that, mate. Uh, what kind of pressure do you apply when initially spreading your plaster? Uh, DIY and King get very good results, but I feel like I might be pressing too hard early on. Um, I suppose that's something that just just comes with experience. of keep doing more, keep doing more work. Uh, as long as the, you you've whatever you've got on the hawk, you can get onto the wall and you're spreading it out as far as it'll go. Without spreading it too tight, um, then 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 that's absolutely fine. But when it comes to yeah, comes to pressure, pressures like how much pressure you put on the trousers, a difficult thing to teach even on a one-to-one with somebody, uh, let alone if you're learning online. But uh, yeah, it's literally just a case of keep practicing. But um, yeah, cheers for the comment, man. Chris, sixty square metre ceiling is the biggest I've done on my own. yeah no that's uh, that's cool Chris nice one yeah I mean I work I work I haven't had laborer for, for years obviously I've got a whisk and I've got stilts and um, you can't you can cover a large area um, if uh, it's a case of get how quick you get you get the stuff on after you've knocked it up and if it I mean if, it, if, the, if it's a perfect temperature in a room you know it's not too hot it's not too cold and you, you bash your mix up at just the right thickness for if you're going on the plaster ball say for example Um, then uh, then, yeah it's amazing what you can cover obviously I'd never try and mix up more than a two bag mix especially not working on my own Uh, if I had a labourer I might do ongoing mixes so as one wall's going off I might get him to start up the next next mix and do lay on another wall but um, since I've done domestics and they're they're small competitors to kind of work you might do on a site or if you're um, working in a massive house that needs to get bashed out um, two bags is the most I'd knock up and whatever two bags of multi-finish or cover is is as much as I'll do in one hit. John, when doing ceilings do you always use your speed skim? Um, I do now mate, yeah. Uh, Before I had one, I just did um, I think a lot of my intros on my videos uh, before I was using the speed skim and I'm just basically going up and down with the trowel in one direction and then the other. Um, But it is more wrist work. and obviously, you're going over stuff a lot more. Whereas when you're using a speed skin, you just get an area covered quicker. And because the plastic one on your first coat opens up the texture of the finish, it does. It's kind of good and bad. It's kind of good that it opens up the finish, so the finish can dry a little bit quicker. <laughs> so it's kind of uh, swings around about You're flattening it out quicker by using a speed, a plastic speed skin. But because it's opening the texture of the finish, <laughs> it is helping the finish to uh, start to set a little bit quicker. I have discovered it since using one. Uh, um. uh, I love bread Um What stage is it best to use a plastic speed skim as opposed to a metal blade? Uh, the plastic one you would use uh, literally off the way I do it as soon as I've laid on my first coat. I'll grab a plastic speed skim and I will rule it off as wet as it might be. Um, which is great as I said it opens up the surface of the uh, of the plaster if you use a metal blade uh, on plaster that wet it it will blister <laughs> and uh, it won't be good because the metal blade draws the water to the surface and uh, you don't want that well, you don't want it early on you don't want that happening until you're starting to put water on a wall to trowel it uh, and give it hard trowels um, but uh, yeah, so metal blade speed skims are for almost for that, that troweling up at the end um and I' use the plastic ones for rolling off, but um, as i say you can you can roll off straight away with a plastic float uh, plastic speed skin blades <coughs> uh, max uh speed skim for me seems uh, seems to make first coat pick up faster, yeah, yeah so many small ridges left show through the second coat uh, yeah you should be uh, it, it does as I said it because it opens up the plastic blade at the speed scheme opens up the texture of the finish um, that uh, it, is it does go off quicker but you need to you do need to make sure that you've got it um, you've got it fairly flat before you, uh, you get in your second coat on there I mean it should be wet enough for your first coat to flatten out when the second coat goes on, because the whole idea of the second coat is to f- is to flatten out the first coat if the first coat's not completely flat, which it won't be, uh, not in my experience anyway. <clears throat> I mean, my my second coat always goes on while my first coat is still not soaking wet, but still wet. I don't I don't let a coat start to go off and then put a fresh second coat on. I I, I mix up what I've got left for my large mix and um, and use that for my second coat, but um, but it does go off rapid, so you. You need to go for it um, if you're going to do that. Um, If you give the customer a written price, do you get them to sign it to stop them not paying? Also, how do you deal with bad payers? Um, I really can't, Martin, I can't really come across um, bad payers. Um, I don't get them to sign anything because they'll just think you're having a laugh. Um, I do tell them that um, that the money becomes due on completion of the job, so it's not sort of like send me an invoice and I'll pay you in a month's time. It's as soon as I've finished, um, I expect to get paid. Most of my payments, I get them to do a bank transfer into my bank, which just saves messing about uh, with checks and stuff like that. Um, unless they insist on paying you cash, but uh, but most people are quite happy to just uh, do a bank transfer. Uh, the only time you might get a problem with someone paying is if you've either done a rough job um, or you've got plaster on their carpet or you've damaged their decor somewhere else in their house or there are, I mean they're rare but there are people that are set out not to pay (laughs) uh, or to pay the proper rate uh, from the start but um, thankfully they're they're so few and far between. Um, But... uh, but yeah, so so generally, mate, if you do a decent job and you keep the place clean, then um, you shouldn't have any trouble getting paid. If you do, you've just, just been really unlucky. But you can tend to, over the years, you tend to get a sense of a, the customer, when you go to price up a job, uh, if you get a bad gut feel about about the customer, or if the customer tells you exactly how long they expect it to take you, then I generally don't go back, or I don't, I, or I don't bother quoting. Um, uh, Blade Boy, when you uh, when's the soonest you can skim after using PVA? Is it possible to leave it too long? <clears throat> no, um, you can you can. For me personally, I like the PVA to be dry to the touch. Um, a lot of guys say, I will put the PVA on once it gets tacky, you can skim that." Um, I have done that. Uh, I've also done it when it was a bit too tacky, and uh, and the skim at some point especially in the winter doesn't happen so much in the summer the skimmer started to slide because the PVA is kind of slipping on on the wall and and the weight of the um, the finish takes it uh, with it so which isn't great um, you can leave it you can leave PVA to dry completely and then skim over it um, I've said on another one of these one of the, one of my subscribers actually that I've done did a big job for in his bungalow and he went around and he he PVA'd everything for me first Um, so when I went there each room I went into I could just stick my beads up and skim so they'd all been pre PVA'd the PVA was bone dry in all of them and this was during the summer and uh, they all came out lovely as as they they generally do (laughs) so yes mate PVA I always let I prefer it to be dry if I can PVA something the day before uh I'll do that. Do you recommend using the same mix for a second coat? Yes, Chris. I always <clears throat> nine times out of ten I'm using the same mix for my second coat. Um, but as I said, it, it goes off rapid once you start putting water in a mix that's going off. Um but I have done that, and um, if I need a little bit more and it's thickening up again, I will I've I've watered down the same mix up to three times. <laughs> And, it, and obviously each time you add a bit more water to it the faster it goes off um, so you need to be able to keep a control on it but um, but yeah that's, that's how I was taught to do it years ago you knock up a big mix and your second coat because you're not using so much gear and because it's going on tight you just whack a bit of water in what you've got left over spin it up and get it on for your second coat, and the whole thing goes off at the same speed, rather than having to wait an extra forty-five minutes to an hour because you've put a brand new coat of gear over the old one. <coughs> um, yeah, so yeah, Chris, I would definitely recommend if you if you can handle the speed stuff goes off uh, using the same mix for the second coat. Uh, do you have a patch up, love and plaster? Um, oh, I did. Uh, and someone was asking me if I'd had any issues in the past. Um someone had a it was like a lintel, a wooden lintel over their window and it had the larves on it and I thought, well I'll just clean the larves off and uh I put bonding on them and I think I PVA'd them as well. Pushed the bonding in. I thought well, that's not gonna go anywhere. Uh put a bead on it, skimmed it all out, looked lovely, and uh but as the wood got wet and dry it obviously twisted a bit <laughs> and the whole thing cracked up. <laughs> so I went back there and said <laughs> yeah I should have plasterboarded it in the first place so um, I'll tend not to if, if I've got a patch that needs patching up the plaster is normally thick enough I will put a plas- piece of plasterboard onto the lars in the patch and then plaster over that plasterboard because you can do a say you can plaster onto the lars but um, it's not worth the risk of possible cracking cracking happening because the plasters Today, the car stuff we use compared to the gear they used to use, it's got no flexibility in it at all. Our new stuff, so um, if the wood moves whatsoever, it will it, the plaster will crack. So, rock a bit of plasterboard on a patch first of lava and plaster and then uh, put your plaster over that. Would you ever skim over lava and plaster ceiling or always overboard? Yeah, is that the same question then, really? If it's if 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 the ceiling's been pulled down and all the laths are still up there i <clears> will <throat> plasterboard over the laths i would never go over a, <clears throat> an old lath ceiling with um, with any kind of carnite gypsum plaster <clears throat> because um, yeah <clears throat> one it just uh, it would be quicker to plasterboard it and once the ceiling's down and obviously you can plasterboard straight over the laths that's not an issue <clears throat> give it a skim and you're done whereas if you mess about with um, I mean to bond the laths first, and then, yeah, you wouldn't want to set that the same day. And to say any movement in the uh, in the timbers or the laths, and yeah, you get some massive issues. So, so don't ever plaster over old laths. If you're in some old um, building that they're doing up and they're using like they're doing it the old traditional way, but they'll be using a lime and mortar mix on the lath ceiling, uh, like they used to with a horse hair in it and all that stuff. It won't be a car like um, type finish going on as they, because the old gear is a little bit flexible but the stuff we use now it's not flexible at all uh, do you have a no, that's the... Clark had a had a bad plaster job done and then painted can you skim over new paint <laughs> uh, you can skim over new paint Clark yeah it's uh, not a problem it needs to have a coat of um, PVA over it first leave that to go off and then um, and then uh, yeah it can be skimmed again Um I mean I probably wouldn't skim it the day after it's been painted but if, it's, if the paint's had a good while to dry um, it can be PVA'd over and uh, and skimmed again and because skim goes on quite tight it shouldn't cause you a problem it's just a pity to have to go over uh, something that's already been plastered once But um, when you get a plasterer in, unless you're getting them on recommendation, you've got nowhere knowing whether they're any good uh, or not. That's a a good reason to have have your own website when you are a plasterer or um, have like a YouTube channel where you can put your work on there and people can see what they're getting um, at the end of the day if they they haven't been personally recommended uh, by someone else. Um. Uh, Chris uh, do much damp proofing only from the viewpoint um, if someone's had damp proofing done in the past uh, a company might say to me oh we've injected the walls we need you to put a waterproof sand and cement up so we can give the customer their guarantee Um, I've done a lot of jobs for people that have got damp issues obviously I'm not a a damp proofer injector guy so uh, I'll say look I can put a waterproof render on your wall and uh, I've done quite a lot of that for people because obviously it's cheaper than um, having the injecting done <clears throat> and uh, again I've had no issues no one's come back to me to say that the, the damps come through even though I put waterproof um, sand and cement render up uh, I don't do that much of it but I, I've looked at one this week actually um, they got quite bad damp um, and they've taken it right back off to the bricks all the way up the wall so <clears throat> I'm gonna do the whole wall right up to the ceiling um, just to be on the safe side but um, yeah damp proofing uh, for me will would just be a case of a waterproof sand and cement going up. Um, scratch coat I'm, I'm using about a 3 to 1 it's quite a strong mix um, <laughs> but uh, from a scratch coat um if I'm doing um, if I'm doing a smooth render I might put the teeniest bit of waterproof in it which also works as a plasticizer and some lime as well um, if I'm doing pebble dashing, as you might have seen on on one of my videos, uh, if you're doing any kind of pebble dashing, your first scratch coat needs to be absolutely full of um, waterproofer. <clears throat> so then your second coat hangs about, which is great for chucking stones in it, and they stick in rather than bounce off. But of course, if you're going to rub the wall up and you've got a load of damp proofing, a load of waterproofer in your um, in your coat and your first scratch coat, then the top coat's going to take forever to go off and Um, yeah you don't want to be waiting all day for the gear to go to start to pull in Uh, what makes a great plasterer Uh, lots of practice Norman (laughs) lots of practice mate lots of practice and keeping people's houses clean Uh, turning up when you say you're going to turn up if you can't make it to a customers house give them a ring drop them a line and uh, a lot of people sort of will say to me or oh, if i just get a bloke to come around and give me a quote <laughs> you know i'll give him the job <laughs> but uh they're they in quite a few people and often people just don't come and look i, I don't know why that is i don't know why that is uh, <clears throat> what old plasterers what roll plasters like carlite and browning <clears throat> like to use um carlite yeah because of when it was just carlite finish there was no multi finish um uh, I can't remember now it's been that long since so you don't think you can buy just car light anymore uh, browning any kind of finish you put on top of browning comes out absolutely silky smooth when it's done better than it does on top of hard or on top of um, on top of bonding um, don't know why it must be a chemical thing but uh, browning was a pain to work with because before the, the electric whisk come out uh, <clears throat> you'd whack a bath tin bath plastic bath tin bath then actually full of water you put your bag of browning on the top and bonding when you mix that in it sinks and it mixes easy when you put a bag of browning on top of water it floats on the top like a boat and you have a quite hard time with a rake and a shovel to uh to get it to mix but um yeah and, and browning's only yeah, any it's okay it's okay on bricks but it's rubbish on it won't stick to concrete or anything like that so you have to put bonding on concrete and browning on bricks uh, but now most people who use just bonding or um, hardball and that's why you don't see a lot of browning. I don't even know if you can still get browning. It's been that long since I've used any. Um, do, do, do. Eddie. Hi Eddie, how you doing mate? Uh, I purchased a set of stilts. Oh mate, well done. Did, I did your first ceiling on Love & Milk. <laughs> ah, brilliant mate. Are uh, oh, you already 6 foot 2 without them on. <laughs> it is quite close to some of the lower ceilings. With the stilts, but too high to reach from the floor. <laughs> ah, now, well done, Eddie. You got used to them pretty quick there, mate, cause I think you was a bit worried as to whether or not you'd uh, you get the hang of them. <laughs> but uh, no, well, stilts, once you get used to them, yeah, they're fantastic. Because um, prior to that, you'd, kinda, you'd have to knock up a, a great big scaffold across the floor or have planks going across ladders, and uh, it's just a pain with stilts, as you've probably just discovered, mate. You chuck them on get the stuff up there and uh, get it done take them off and you can crack on with the walls if you're doing the walls as well but uh, yeah well done eddie top man manny hi manny uh, yeah quick question about the speed skim when do you use it exactly um, i use a plastic um, blade speed skim as soon as i put my first coat on to basically level it all out as quickly as I possibly can um, so the idea with any kind of finish when you're putting it on any kind of plaster but especially finish is to get it on the wall as quickly as possible doesn't really matter what it looks like um, and obviously with a speed skim, when you when you do that in the past then you'd have to go over it again with your trowel to start to take some of the lines out but with the speed skim, plastic float a uh, plastic blade one you can um, whack your gear on there quick as you like run the uh, plastic uh, speed skin across it straight away or oh, that's what I do and uh, it levels it all off you might get a little bit of a ridge at the top and the bottom of your speed skin but you, you want to get at least a 900 mil speed skin the, the short ones uh, it's not worth using one of them you might as well be using the trowel but the longer ones and on the plastic you can curve the ends you can kind of cut them off a bit with some tin snips and give them a bit of a sand so you get much less of them obviously if the, corner, the sharp corners there it will dig in but um, if you curve the corners off which is what most guys do with a new uh, plastic blade on a speed skin um, yeah they're, they're great for that great for that uh, okay to board over which oh, you can you can plaster board over anything mate a wood chip um, and then just skim that um, I would never I would never actually plaster over wood chip. <laughs> um but uh, I, I've known people that have done it. <laughs> but uh, the chances of it all falling down are really good. But uh, yeah, you can plaster board over um, any any kind of wallpaper or paint that's up there because it's it's all gonna be covered up with the plaster board and then just skim that. Um, no problem. No problem at all. Uh, Norman, when is the next plaster in video? I was working on it today mate, it's one I did quite a while ago and that's been so much messing about in general and obviously working hard, <laughs> um, getting the time to knock them up, put them together and do the editing but I've been working on one tonight which I'm hoping, I don't think I'll get it actually finished tonight but it'll be it'll be up tomorrow that's doing an internal uh, rendering where they've had damp funnily enough. Uh, knocking it all off, putting a, a waterproof sand and cement back, and then skimming it. Um, but that's coming out. That's the next video. Will probably be up tomorrow. Um... Yeah, yeah, that stair one. I'm even. <laughs> I didn't do it that long ago uh, when I'm doing the stairwell wall. And uh, even now, when I look back on it, and think, eh, how did I manage to cover? <laughs> that amount of area <laughs> Uh and, and and not break a swear <laughs> I think I just must have been a good day for me that day uh, as I said because I don't put any additives or, or stuff into my plaster to try and hold it back Um but yeah yeah on a good day if you've been doing it for long enough and uh, the wind's blowing in the right direction you can you can bash a load of stuff out which is good because the more you can bash out the more money you can earn if the work's there obviously Um yeah, Chris, the stilts, um, as I said, I've been asked about them before and for me they took a little while to get used to. You have to put them on, practice kind of walking along, holding up, holding against the wall. Um, but they uh, they freaked me out a bit. I, I could just about walk in to start with and I thought it's no way I'm going to be able to hold a halt and a trowel and put plaster above my head while I'm balancing on a set of these stilts. But um, it's surprising how quick you do get the hang of them and... Uh, a bit further up there, Eddie. Um, he was toying with it. He's bought some, and he's uh, he seems to have got the knack of it uh, straight away. <laughs> and, yeah. Um. Right. Yes, I definitely recommend buying stilts. Um, though in in a lot of cases, yeah, I mean, yeah, stilts for laying on. I going to say because with the really long speed skims, well, you can get a handle attachment for those now, and. Um, good for rolling off the ceiling but um, I still like to you know make my stilts on and to get the gear on and up there uh, Needs a new mixing drill can you recommend one uh, yeah Rafina. I've had in 35 years I've had two Rafina whisks um, so I'm still on the second one got through loads of paddles obviously because they, they wear down especially when you're doing sand and cement because I mix sand and cement with my Rufina. Um i can i can do a big mix in one of those big buckets <laughs> as long as you put the water in first and then the cement and lime if you're using lime and then the sand But not the other way around <laughs> don't put the sand and cement in and then the water if you're going to use a whisk and mix it up in a bucket but um yeah a lot of jobs where i'd always be kind of dragging a cement mixer there <laughs> um now it's uh <laughs> I, I just knock it all up in the <laughs> with my ruffina but um Yeah, I I think my first or second one, I think the the brushes went, but you can buy brushless Rafinas now. You can buy plug-in, not plug-in, you can buy battery-operated ones, but they're an arm and a leg. But uh, yeah, Rafina are the ones that they use at the hire shop. If you hire one from the hire shop, it'll be a Rafina because this is so well-built and they last for so long. So that's, yeah, my recommendation as well as Chris's. Uh, uh, How long are your sets taking at the Mo? Are you still using the same mix. Um a couple of hours for each of my sets really from start to finish might be slightly over when you're finishing up with the hard troweling but um, yeah but that is me using uh, the same mix for my second coat by thinning it down and then whacking that over the top as a second coat uh, about two hours uh, how's your beer? Uh, what do you think the refina uh not used it, mate. I've heard some good things about the Rufina. Uh, another friend of mine who's got uh, another plaster on his, he's, he's got about thirty thousand subscribers, <laughs> so I've got a lot of catching up to do. Um, I think he might have um, done a review on that uh, recently, and I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's 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 keen. He wasn't at first. He said it took a while to get the hang of it because they're they're quite still quite stiff, but uh, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, I haven't got personal opinion from using one because I haven't uh, I haven't used one. How much water do you typically use for a bag of multi finish? Uh, find the recommended. Um, uh, yeah, whatever amount you use, it's, it's for most bags of multi finish. Talking about just over a, a bucket, um, one of the, your normal builders' black bucket. It's more than that, uh, but not a lot more. But they can't, the bags they haven't got they haven't always got the exact amount of plaster in and. Um, I've used exactly the same amount before um, for two different mixes and one was perfect and the other one was too runny and uh, there was obviously a bit less plaster in the bag uh, so um, so yes not a lot of point in going by the the directions on the uh, on the bag Uh, but it's just over I tend to put one whole lot of um, one bucket of water in there first then just a little bit of the second one whack the whole bag in give it a mix <clears throat> um, if it's still a little bit too thick then you can add just a little bit more of the second one but it wouldn't doesn't normally take more than a bucket and a half at the very most unless um, you've got a really generous bag of plaster <laughs> uh, I I <clears throat> clock yeah no worries clock. Yeah, no, I've never I think I might have skimmed over wood chip once but it was it was for my brother in law <laughs> and he said it was like rock and he couldn't get it off, which wood chip often is, especially on a ceiling. Um and I said, Well if it all falls down, mate, it's it's down to you. Um and that did work, but generally I won't do it. Um because that moisture from the plaster has to go somewhere. <clears throat> Basically it soaks into any kind of paper. So um if you've got to, if you're going over wood chip which is mostly paper let's face it and all that water soaking into it uh, the, there's a good chance of a big bubble of it dropping down if the whole lot doesn't drop down but um yeah yeah not a good idea to skim over wood chip though some guys some guys do but a bit risky in my opinion what's that chris a shabir i'll have to look that up mate i haven't even heard of that one what's your everyday trail my everyday laying on trail is a Marshall Town uh, they're kind of industry standard been around forever uh, they're a quality trail I don't know if they're I mean the first marshall towns i bought they weren't even stainless steel they were just uh, ordinary steel <clears throat> you had to keep them kind of oiled and nice and clean uh, the good thing about the ones that weren't stainless steel is they wear in really quick because they go a bit rusty and you rub the old rust off with, with sanding it off or when you're doing sand and cement work and they'd wear in a lot quicker than the stainless steel because it's harder and it's not rusting um, as such and they take longer to wear in but uh, yeah Marshalltown's the trail on to buy if you're seriously looking at doing some uh, serious plastering. Uh, uh, Eddie, you've got a, a large RTX ceiling to do, uh, do you recommend the extra time gear, have you used it? Now, as I said Eddie I've never used any extra time stuff, When I, I think once I tried using a retarder in my plaster it just didn't work for me uh, and I've seen other guys use it on videos uh, and it hasn't worked for them either <laughs> so um, yeah I mean you've probably watched uh, the one where I'm plastering over, but I'm bonding over an Artex ceiling and skimming it um, apart from the me, me neat PVA up there um, and especially I think I can't remember if that ceiling was skimmed the same day as it was bonded in which case i went straight over it um and you've got a bit more pulling in time um, if the bo- if, if you're bonding it if you're bonding it first mate and you're going to skim it the next day then give it a really good coat of pva and let it dry completely uh before you put a skim on it eddie and um yeah that'll give you a bit more time if it's only got if you've left it a whole day and it's only got a, a bit of a thin uh coat of pva on it it'll still pull in really quick Uh, Which obviously you don't want. You want it to hang about as long as it possibly can. So, um, so yes, but I I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother messing about with any extra time things. I mean, a couple of people have said it's good, but um, once I've had a bad, uh, I tried and it didn't work, and I I haven't bothered since. And uh, and uh, for me, I haven't haven't needed to, thankfully. Ah, Norman. Uh, Cheers, Norman. Appreciate it, mate. Yeah, and you, mate, you take care, Norman, and, uh, yeah, I don't, did I, did I give you the number? Give us a bell next time, mate, because I need to test whether the phone line into this live stream works or not. Uh, but cheers for now, mate. Uh, 18 to 24, which they made them from 9. Oh, sorry, did, what are those? The stilts are uh, 18, 24, wish they made them from 9, lowest settings. Yeah, the stilts you can buy. You can buy a smaller set of stilts, but I found they're too small, and I don't think I don't think they adjust up. And if they do, if you've got a slightly higher than an average size ceiling, uh, they don't go up quite high enough. But um, I'm assuming you had a, you had a look at the uh, the shorter ones that they do, really. But um, I mean, I rarely put my bigger ones up higher. But as you say, if you if you're really tall, anyway, um, there has been quite a few ceilings where I've worn my stilts, but I have had to crouch while I'm doing the work, which isn't ideal, but it's better than not being able to use the stilts <coughs> uh, blaine Gray, yes it yeah blaine yeah he's a lovely guy blaine brilliant plasterer uh, my Martin uh, when would you use nine point five mil plaster ball instead of twelve um you want me to be honest Martin? Nearly all the time mate. <laughs> uh, I've got a box built on top of my uh, motor which um, I can get about 10 of those in. Um, it was a purpose built box f- literally for doing that. Um, obviously you use, the, you use the thicker ones <laughs> you can't get as many in there. Um, and I've used 9.5 for, for most of my jobs. I mean unless um depends it depending on this kind of span, how big a ceiling is and whether there's any issues or or you're worried about it, um, I do, then I'll produce the twelve twelve uh twelve mil but um uh rather than the nine point five. But most of my jobs well, I use nine point five. I don't get any sagging or anything. You only get sagging if there's not enough joists Um if there's not enough joists you should yeah, you should be talking to the customer about it anyway and saying, <laughs> Even if we used uh, 12 mil balls over this uh they might dip because because it you lack a joist but that's not normally the case most joists are 15 18 inches apart and uh, so uh, so nine point5 balls are okay I mean technically some people are going oh, I shouldn't use balls that thin but then uh, what's the point of making them <laughs> uh, Do you ever find that different types of plasterboard different to skim over like uh, fire rated as opposed to a normal grey. Uh, no not really uh, mate, uh, plasterboard the surfaces of it the way stuff goes off is generally the same um, the only time you might have an issue with the plasterboard is if it's been out uh, if it's been somewhere really really dry or it's, or it's been in, in direct sunlight for a long period of time um, you can get an issue where the finish goes off a lot quicker than it should. Um, that doesn't often happen but it, but it can happen um, <clears throat> if you're ever nervous about that then there's nothing stopping you PVA-ing um, a plaster board. but at the end of the day it's not something you really want to do because you're not you're not meant to have to <laughs> but if you know a board is really dry and you're worried about it PVA it but, um, <clears throat> but other than that um, they're more or less the same to plaster over whatever, whatever type of board it is um, Max, what do you do for skimming walls that are solid but with cracks everywhere skim every crack is an easy way um, over most of the cracks when I'm skimming a wall if there were cracks in it, I will put the um, fiberglass tape uh, over the majority of the cracks If there's really fine cracks coming off of the other cracks I won't put a bit of tape over every single little um, hairline crack because you could be there forever and uh, I'm, I'm, I've never had an issue uh, Well, I've gone over walls that have had cracks in that are still solid but cracked as you say um, they tend to cover up um, uh, no problem and, and stay sound. I have um, experimented in my own house where I had a really dodgy bit of ceiling <laughs> and I literally crisscrossed um, because uh, I was being lazy because it was my house <laughs> crisscrossed um, fiberglass tape over it and it was, and it did have a bit of movement in it prior to that stuck some screws through the tape into the joists above uh, put a bit more tape on and then I skimmed over it <laughs> and to this day it's been absolutely fine but uh, I'd never do it in a customer's house and uh, I wouldn't recommend it but uh, but yeah that's the only thing you can do with, with cracked walls as long as they're solid if you can punch a wall and it doesn't fall down I tend to say to a customer then, then it's fine to skim over um, cheers Blade Boy, appreciate that. Appreciate that a lot. Uh email me for the number, some of you guys, and um uh, ring into the st- well we're gonna try this like ringing into the studio so we've got someone else's voice other than just mine. Because <laughs> uh, you know, I like it. <laughs> but other people might get fed up with it so <laughs> and it'd be good to be able to have, uh, ask me a few questions over the phone and I can answer back and it all comes through a speaker and gets fed back through the computer so, so it should sound like you're here with me and uh, yeah, that might be good so any of you guys out there um, drop me an email at erictheplaster at gmail.com or via my website which is the same name as my YouTube channel plaster.org.uk and um Request the number, and I'll send it to you. And the, the next live stream, um, try ringing in, and uh, <laughs> we'll see if it works. <laughs> and yeah, I look forward to that. Um, uh, do you use bonding agent on moisture-resistant plasterboard? Um, no, not not really, uh, Chris. I mean, you can. I mean, you can do. But I mean, you can put. let like, Said so earlier, you, you can put a bonding agent over the top of any surface uh, that you want to, to be on the safe side. Um, but uh, but generally, I'll I'll just go straight over even that uh, without putting anything on it first. Uh, do you recommend two coats or one of multi after applying bonding coat to an RTX ceiling? Oh, you still do, a, Eddie. You still do a double uh, a double coat um, when you go and buy the book anyway. Uh, if you're struggling to do a big ceiling because of the size of it and you don't want to put a joint in it and you've bonded it if you've bonded the previous day as i've said if you give it a good coat of neat pva let it dry completely and you hit the whole thing with one coat again it's it's not by the book um, but if you can get a thick enough one coat on there to rule it off with a speed skim to the point that when you're troweling it up it's smooth and it's flat and it looks great then it's not going anywhere. It's not going to come down. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll look just as great as a two coat ceiling once it's painted. Um, so I'm not recommending do that because it's. It, I'm just so used to flattening out the second coat more, when I, uh, the first coat rather, when I'm putting that second coat on. But um, but it can help you get uh, do a larger area um, than you might be used to doing if you just do the one coat. But uh, as I said, I can get slated for saying that. <laughs> but um, as I said, I've been plastering for so many years and I have done that on so many occasions and I've never had a problem. So <laughs> what do I care? Um, bit of an odd question. What do you typically eat during a workday? Um, <laughs> if I've taken any lunch, whatever that is, <laughs> Probably just sandwiches at the end of the day or if I'm trying to uh stay fit or an healthy have some chicken and uh salad and what have you. But uh, I do love a bit of bread and butter, which which isn't great. <laughs> Especially uh over the lockdown period I put on quite a bit of because I well, I used to before the lockdown I used to go to the gym three times a week. And uh well I'm getting uh, I'm not quite as strong a plasterer as I used to be. Well it's not affecting me plastering but um my pull ups are suffering. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but yeah, you do need to uh, have something something for lunch because if, if you don't have a, I don't have a break as such. I tend to just sit down for a minute, shove a sandwich in, uh, maybe have some coffee uh, or a cold drink, and then just crack on because um, you want to get if, you, if you're doing a, a fixed price job for someone, you just want to get the job done. Or I do anyway, so. Um, I will have something to eat because it, it does give you that extra boost of energy uh, to do the, the afternoon uh, part of your day. Max uh, on corner beads over an exposed edge of plasterboard does the skin pick up really fast? Uh, can of issues on reveals. Exposed edge. Oh um, yeah, you can um, if you if you've got a bead over the edge. It shouldn't be too much of a problem. You can if that's causing you a problem uh, Max uh, put some PVA over the open edge of the plasterboard uh, or whatever stage you want to uh, during the, the during the job. Um, if that sets then the PVA on the edge then uh, you shouldn't have an issue with, um, with it pulling too tight on that, on that area uh, when you got the bead on there. Alright, just what I'm gonna do now guys, I'm just gonna pop over to the um, oh, whoop, here we go. Uh, on, let me turn this sound down. Okay, <laughs> speed skim. Uh I said I was gonna do a recommendation on the channel for stuff or, or a tool review anyway. Um this is a, a nice new one. The biggest problem I found with, uh, with, the, with the speed skim is getting it out out of the box which you'll see as this video goes on and uh, you'll yeah, be careful when you're using the wife's best knife to uh, to open your box mate as well if you buy a speed skim because uh, of the girlfriend because you won't be happy Um, yeah um, speed skims I was looking at I, I forgot why I paid for this particular one but um, this 900mm one was uh, £47 which I thought oh, that's great and then when I did buy a, a metal <laughs> a metal 900 that was £74 <laughs> so the metal blade ones are more expensive than the plastic blade ones but you can that blue blade there you can replace you can replace those <laughs> and they they do come in cheaper I think for the 900 uh, the replacement blade was 30 quid so it's still major part of the price of buying a whole speed skin um, and the but the metal ones are better well <clears throat> you're paying 74 pounds for the metal uh, metal bladed uh, speed skin the um the uh, replacement metal blade is 27 28 twenty eight pound so that's that's a better uh, replacement price than the plastic price but you're looking at well what we've we got here if you wanted to the pole attachment because you can attach a pole to these uh, for sk- mostly if, obviously if you're doing a ceiling and you want to um, take it across the ceiling um, these ones are a bit small it's probably best to have a slightly longer the next size up or a speed skim to attach a pole to it and uh, and, and roll your ceiling off but um, they're the 1800 mil they're a plastic one they're coming at 79 pounds the pole attachment to attach your any pole decorators pole to the um, to the speed skim handle is comes in about 26 pounds I jotted these prices down um, and uh, if you want a 1200 uh, metal blade speed skim you're looking at 85 pounds to buy that this is including the vat and uh, more or less 40 quid to replace the metal blade on a 1200 um, they do do a 1800 mil um, Plastic speed skim I don't know if they do a metal one in that size because I've been looking but I can't find any anyway. <laughs> so um, but but uh, yeah I probably wouldn't use a, a metal bladed 1800 um, millimeter speed skim anyway I mean the more sizes you can uh, these go smaller go down to like 600 um, mil 450 mil uh, there um, if you can afford to have a little collection of them we've, different sizes plastic blades and metal blades uh, then you're laughing but um, yeah I think this particular one in this video doesn't <laughs> doesn't look that nice anymore <laughs> because uh, even if you I mean you do obviously clean them really um, carefully when you've got them brand new but um, when you're doing a lot of work and you tend to put the thing to one side if you go oh, should have wipe that off sooner <laughs> and uh, you do get a, a kind of I don't know what it, I don't know what it is but you do get a kind of a, a layer of plaster that will stem out often you wash them off that will build up on the back of your trowel and on um, on the speed skim as well so uh, but they're um, yeah they're, they're pretty good uh, bit of care at the end of the day if you're going to force a splash out on them if um, yeah if you're doing a bit of DIY stuff it's probably worth it d- depends how how much plastering you think you might be doing whether it's worth spending the money on one but as you say if you're going to use a smaller one, then you could um, get away with just using the um, uh, yeah the much smaller one, or just using the spatula that's got a handle, uh, rather than, than than buy something this long, or buy a very short um, spread skin. Boop, boop. There with. Ah, yeah, back in the room. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, I've lost my. Uh, I lost my live chat oh no back back again I think Eddie I, I tend to use just use a plastic spree skim to use the plastic then the steel after that's a new question Eddie isn't it because um my stream looked like it stopped there for a second um, yeah I used the plastic spree skim first to um, trail off me, uh, me, first, me first coat to level it off Straight away, um, I don't use the metal one until I'm um, basically getting to a troweling up stage with water um, on on that on that last coat. Then I'll use the metal blade on that and just like use it like a webbing trowel. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, still after the plaster's picked up, than oh, I will always use the trowel uh, to finish it off, like a flexi trail I wouldn't bother going back over it with a Marshalltown after I've gone over it with a metal bladed speed skin but I will take a, a flexi trowel over it just to make sure you've really done a pucker pucker job um, if you're good enough with the uh, with a long um, metal bladed speed skin then you might get away with leaving the finish that will look fine once it's painted but um, it's not something I've wanted to risk to this point so <laughs> I'll always finish it off then with a flexi trowel um, just to get I know, getting a nice silky smooth finish then <laughs> hi Jania Does uh, your plastic speed skim leave lines on the edges um, yeah even I say when you buy them new they've got sharp corners on them but you can cut those off carefully with um, some tin snips and give them a bit of a sanding uh, to round them off and then you get much less of a groove um, well you shouldn't you hardly get any groove at all but you can still get a slight groove especially if the plaster is really wet but um, if you're going to you should go across left to right from the bottom up from the top down and uh, getting over the wall and it's when you're putting the second coat on really junior um, is when you're taking those lines out because because the stuff's starting to set <coughs> with any plaster whether it's the first coat or the second coat uh, any lines you're going to get they're only going to start you can only start to get those out um, once the gear is starting to go off um, mistake a lot of diys make is they try and get as many lines out of the plaster while it's still soaking wet and once you start doing that and messing about with it that's when it starts to blister or, or just goes completely wrong Um has a terrible effect on the uh, on the uh, <laughs> on the plaster uh, I, hope el- I hope that helps Junior Uh Max my plastic spray scheme came with rounded it uh, well yeah, well, I say square. They are they are slightly rounded, but they can they can't. You can round them off quite a bit. <laughs> so rather than being a kind of a little curve, they're a they're a they're more of a curvy. Curve. <laughs> if that's a if that's a description, <laughs> uh, dear. But uh, yeah, so they don't, they don't come with sharp corners, but they're sharper than uh, they're, yeah they're sharper than they would be that after you've like curved them off. But you've got if, you, if you're going to cut them off with a. A pair of tin snips take off a little bit at a time and then sand the curve with some sandpaper before you use it on the wall but uh, yeah but be careful not to erect the speed skin by chopping off too much <coughs> oh dear. Uh, yeah I don't know if you guys saw that, uh, that video on the bottom of the screen there was when uh, I did an interview with the people off the news um, they were asking about fly tipping and stuff and uh, this is basically me having a moan about the fact that we can't take um, waste to any of the tips anymore trade waste because they won't um, they won't take it and uh, (laughs) you kind of think uh, (laughs) if they won't take the gear what am i meant to do with it i mean i've never fly tipped and and i wouldn't and people that do fly tip generally generally fly tip regardless but um, i see it didn't help that all the tips i used to go to um, where you, you you go on a weigh bridge and you you pay whatever the the minimum amount was thirty quid forty quid and they'd let you dump all your plaster plaster didn't matter um, but now the tips they've still got weigh bridges a lot of them but they sort of no like, oh, sorry mate no you can't you can't bring that in here they say oh I'm I'm willing to pay <laughs> and they no 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 we don't take it personally I think it's to do with their recycling uh, record it looks good that the how much they recycle because they don't take trade waste if they took trade waste because it has to be included in the figures it just looks like they their recycling um, is rubbish <laughs> so that's why I think they stopped doing it but um, yeah I have to um, at one point I had a permanent skip I'm um, uh, lucky enough I've got enough room on the front of my drive to put a skip on it um, but it's it was there I had a skip there for a year just kept swapping them over um, because prior to that, I was I was because customer expects you to take the rubbish away nine times out of ten. Because yeah, that's the way it always used to be. Of course, you could have a debate with them about or oh, I'll knock a bit off if if you get rid of the rubbish, but you can have quite a bit of leftover hard plaster that you haven't used at the end of a set uh, that you've got to dump. And uh, yeah, so I was doing that basically. Um, yeah, it, and it's become a pain, and that's what that interview is about. Oh, there's me having a moan, <laughs> and then saying, but "Yeah, they have looked into it, and Epsom, Morden, Sutton, and all the ones near me, and they don't you can't take your waste there. Uh, not unless you, it's disguised in the car, but you go there in any kind of van, <laughs> uh, or they'll let you in, <laughs> they'll send you straight back out again." <laughs> oh dear. Uh, uh, yeah, I have got, I've, I've got, uh, I've had friends that have got skips, and I have had some. I um, will get rid of the odd bit of um, stuff in a normal dustbin, but if if I've been busy and I've got absolute bags of it, I, <laughs> I can't put it out for the dustman. God bless them. <laughs> I might take the odd bag, but <laughs> if they can't if they can't move the bin, <laughs> they're not very happy. <laughs> oh dear. Zoltai you bought some stilts at the weekend any tips yeah just just get on them and have a a practice walking around in them Um, if they have got this like the spring-loaded bits which they should have in the in the sort of the middle part of the of the stilt you can adjust those to make something to do with the way that they bend and you can make them tighter or looser um, to make them easier to walk in but the only way you find out is to put them on try walking in them and then adjusting the little uh, adjustments that are on the top or bottom of the springs <coughs> um and obviously first practice walking around a room make sure there's nothing you can trip on uh, because the the rubber feet on those they can catch on anything any nails sticking up out of a, out of the floor um I wouldn't practice on them on a on a on a job for somebody else so you know, i'd practice walking around in your in your house first or in your garage or um don't practice outside because the uh, floor is deadly outside <laughs> i did try that once when i first bought them and uh, realized really quickly it's not a good idea they are there to use indoors and um if you're doing a job as i i cover everything in plastic you cannot put cloth dust sheets down on the floor and then use um use stilts because the The odds of the rubber feet dragging and getting caught in a in a dash sheet and you taking a dive is really good but um, if you've got plastic put down the the decent stuff that I use a fit gear and you tape it all down so it doesn't move then the stilts on top of that fantastic no problems at all I filled my home bin with the stuff and <laughs> poked my eye through the blinds <laughs> so I took it away <laughs> I had done it to uh, Max <laughs> with some rubbish before <laughs> and uh and one of the bins I got quite a big bin uh, I could just about move it and, and my guy still took it but uh but it depends what street you live Whether with a dustman if he thinks it's a little bit too heavy they'll, they'll just leave it so um which wouldn't have made my wife very happy if I'd stuck some heavy plaster in the bag and they didn't take it because I'd over overdone it. <coughs> uh. <laughs> Cheers, Eddie. Oh. Uh, buy yeah, it's uh, as I say. Yeah, you can get the you can get the smaller stilts, Eddie. But um, I mean, if you're tall enough, then the, then they might do the job for most height ceilings. Um, but when I looked at them, because the smaller ones didn't have an adjustment up. If the smaller ones, well, not the ones I tried to buy anyway. If you can buy smaller ones and they do adjust up, uh, then you'd be laughing. But I don't. I don't think they do. Them. I think the smaller stilts are just for, yeah, uh, for people that don't want to <laughs> stand on stilts that are too high. Uh, oh uh, no, if I'm uh, if I'm going over a tapered ball, John, I would just just cover let the I'll just let the plaster fill uh, fill the taper as I go I mean because most of the boards I set um, that I put up they're all square edge because I don't use tapered edges because tapered edge board is really for taping and jointing because it, it allows that gap to put the paper tape in them to put the filler in between the boards um, but if a customer has done their own balding um, and they've used tapered edge then I will just put my scrim along the joint like I normally do and I'll just let the finish um, fill the fill the void it's not that it's not that deep um you could uh, bond over them first and then but um it's more messing about and it could cause you grief if when you set it the bonding's not gone off enough or if the bonding's a bit dry then where you put bonding in the in the gap um the, the strips of, where the bonding arm will dry quicker than where the finish is elsewhere and this the next day and you put pva on it but you don't want to do all that so just use the finish to uh to fill the tapered edge. Uh, Eddie, uh, are the plastic coverings you put down in a customer's house reusable? <coughs> um, not for me. I tend to, I do tend to chuck it out at the end of the day. I mean, the, the gear I buy, I get it on a roll. The roll is about a meter long, and um, once you've cut, you roll it out. And once you've cut it off, you can open it out because it's folded up and uh, i'm pretty sure it's like about 100 square meters on the whole roll Um, and it's about 20 quid and and it's a decent thickness that um, if it's on a carpet and say i tape mine down with um, any kind of tape that's fairly cheap around the edges and uh, does really well the stilts don't rip it Um, just walking around generally on it's absolutely fine you can even wash it off if you can be bothered um, I only do that if a customer says can you leave your plastic down because we want to paint and rather than us having to cover our carpet again we can use your plastic and then I'll give it a bit of a wash because it looks horrible when it's covered in plaster But um, I normally pull it up and chuck it away um, but uh, it's something I've used for years and it, it's great because it, um, it, it just such good protection and you don't want to be messing up anybody's carpet, especially if they've, they've bought a new one and then decided to have plastering done, which is often <laughs> the case um, it's not so great on a hard floor because it, it can stretch on a hard floor from your, from a ladder or whatever and it, it, it rips easier, but because carpet's got some give in it um, the plastic tends to just give into the part of the carpet rather than rip, but on a solid floor that plastic can still rip um, if it's a quality floor if it's just, if it's just old floorboards I won't worry too much about that and i'll just use plastic but a job i did um, last year they had a a brand new oak floor put down and then they had an issue with their ceiling was in their lounge and it was like a white or black oak floor and um, i'm thinking i don't want to have to pay for this if it goes (laughs) if i damage it so um, i'd put plastic down on that and then i bought the uh, the tough spot uh, black stuff you can buy uh, it comes in eight by fours it's like a corrugated protective board stuck those all down over the floor tape those together um they're a bit of a pain and they are about we can buy them in bulk cheaper but if you just buy them from b&q they're the best part of a fiver each for an eight by four a bit of protection but it's better to pay that and hopefully if you've priced well enough for a job you, know, you can cover the price of those and um you won't damage the floor because you don't want to damage the floor that's going to you know rather than, well, as well as not getting paid because you damage their floor yeah they probably want money from you <laughs> to get the floor fixed or replaced um, so uh, so yeah always put something tough down other than just the plastic sheeting if it's if it's on an expensive type hard floor if it's just floor boards then if you do get any little rips in it you can just wipe little bits of plaster off the floor afterwards and it's not an issue but for carpet it's fantastic. Uh, always talk about unblocked drains. I think I jinxed myself. I'm on call, and I now I got to drive an hour to go unblock someone's toilet. <laughs> Good last you know. Hey, thanks, Um, Cheers, mate. Uh, I love brown bread toast. Uh, drop us a line. I'll send you the um, the phone the phone number for the studio, so you can ring in on the next one. And uh, yeah, have fun with that toilet, mate. <laughs> uh dear, yeah, yeah, should have been a plaster. <laughs> uh, you might need to go. There's a, a final dry trowel, plastic or uh, stainless steel. Um, yeah, I'd, oh, I always use stainless steel flexi, flexi blades, flexi trowels or any sort um, to finish off Zolta, um some people use a plastic float, and if, if if they're happy with the finish that, that it gives, then, um, then 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 that's fine, um, you know, go for that. But uh, <clears throat> I haven't got a preference as such. It's whatever at the end of the day, whatever you use, uh, whether you finish off with a plastic uh, plastic trowel or, or a metal one, is um, if you're happy with it. You, it's easy for you to work with and it gives a nice finish and a finish that you're happy with and more importantly that the customer's happy with then um, yeah finish on the plastic trail Mm -hmm. max (laughs) even now even today mate (laughs) i have gone out i've underpriced this one (laughs) um it happens and as I said, I've been doing this for so long, and I still sometimes will underprice a job. It's only because I'm such a nice geezer. <laughs> I don't want to overprice any of my jobs. One, because I like to get them, <laughs> and two, because I always like to give a fair price to my customers. Um, but sometimes that has shot me in the foot. where I've gone, oh yeah, that's yeah, no, that's yeah, no, that's about right. <laughs> and then I've had an issue, and I, and I've, I tell my customers before, and i will give you a fixed price. If anything goes a bit pear-shaped, unless it's some obviously I've got no control over like something massive falls down that's nothing to do with me um, but if if a job takes me a bit longer because it's my fault then there's not going to be an extra charge for it uh, but yeah so uh, <laughs> I have shot myself in the foot under pricing you just have to be a little bit careful when you're putting a price in um, and it's good to go home and but it's, uh, generally I won't give a ballpark thing when people say if i go around to the a job to quote, and people say to me, I'll give us Park ballpark how much it's going to cost. I'll say, Look, yeah, I'd love to, but it'll be vastly out. I said, yeah. I said, and probably not in your favor. So I'm going to go home, put it in writing, and uh, email it to you. And, uh, and that, that you've got something solid, then I, said, I don't want to guesstimate a price here because you can think, Oh, actually, yeah, I could, I could batch that out in this amount of time off the top of your head, give them a price and then you get home and you start thinking about it and working it out and you think oh hang on a minute I didn't allow for um, well for whatever it might have been <laughs> and uh, it can cost you dear so um, yeah just be careful with the old uh, pricing up jobs <sighs> yeah I watch other plastering channels I watched um, oh I mentioned earlier I keep forgetting his name uh, uh, Gray, Blaine, Blaine Gray I think he's, yeah, his name is um, he's got about thirty thousand subscribers to his channel. Uh, plastering for beginners. If you want to look him up, uh, he's he's not been plastering as long as I have, but he, he is a great plasterer. Um, he's always uh, trying out different tools, different trowels, and reviewing them on his channel. Um, so uh, so so yeah yeah. Uh, I watch him mostly. I mean, I have a flick through some other plasterers' channels, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm 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 a busy editing my own. Or, or at work, or doing quotes, or <laughs> whatever the things that come with being a one-man band <laughs> as a plasterer <laughs> and having to sort out. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love an unpaid secretary, but the wife's not interested. <laughs> uh, dear uh, Frankie, hello Frankie. Uh, just bought a new Marshalltown Town, 16 by 4. Yeah, uh, have you ever tried this size? If so, any good? Yeah, I've used some. I've used some amazingly large Marshall towns. In uh, I think back in the, uh, I think it's the late eight, eighties. I was working in a hotel for a, a, a Green Green Park Hotel somewhere in London. Anyway, um, and a lot of the guys there's tons of skimming to do in these hallways, and uh, I had a standard size Marshall town then, and these guys were skimming with I don't know twenty four. I don't They look like thinking back twenty four inch. Uh, or more the length of these trails, and i thought go yeah get one of them because think how much you can uh how easy it must be to skim over those but um but getting your gear off for hawk <laughs> especially if it's a standard size hawk and you use an oversized trail. but that, that that size mate is um is absolutely fine yeah yeah the the, the short the shorter stumpier trails, um i don't particularly get on with and I, t- I tended to find when i moved to a bigger trail a Marshalltown town trail that um I did a better job of it straight away but, uh, but at the end of the day it's it's what you get used to but uh, but yeah I'd recommend that one, that size. Yeah, there was uh, another job Max that I did um, years ago for a guy that was a perfectionist and uh, there was rendering to do outside when I still did outside rendering as well I was doing the inside and the outside of his place and um, the uh, I had the cement mixer I'd hired it, and I had it so long that the higher charge cost <laughs> cost me more than it would have cost me to buy the mixer. Um, I mean, the guy at the place he wouldn't let me buy the mixer. <laughs> he said, "No, mate, you have to hire. You you have paid that up, and if you want to buy a mixer, that'll be another 400 quid or whatever it was at the time." And uh, after that, I bought my own mixer, and I thought I'm not going to hire a mixer again if I do any like big jobs. Just in case, just in case it runs over. Uh, uh, junior uh, Eric, I'm plastering my house, but uh, the wall the walls keep cracking up. I've tried uh, three to one, four to one, PVA, etc. Even eat like you say, but it's still cracking. Any tips? Um, when you say you're talking about like maybe one or two really fine hairline cracks that come out quite a bit later or um, if it's cracking straight away then, then any cracks you've got underneath in the original it's always a good idea to put a fiberglass tape over the top of them if you haven't done that already I would definitely recommend doing that uh, to stop them coming back through the new stuff um, if the plaster behind is, is moving badly um, then then you would probably need to take at least the finish off uh, if not the backing but normally it's the finish that comes loose on old walls and the, the, the backing coat is normally fairly sound <coughs> um, but uh, yeah and as I say I, I always use the my PVA neat and I, and I don't skim over it nine times out of ten until it's until it's bone dry the PVA as opposed to doing it when it's tacky but uh, that's the only tips i can give you Junior on that one uh, yeah. oh, use render mesh um, I've never used a render mesh uh, this job that I did um, last in two sort or of three weeks ago um, for a customer I said I've worked for before um, I gave him I said you can get all different types of meshes now because there's quite a lot of different uh, render meshes you can buy I said if you want to buy any of those because he was supplying the materials on this job <clears throat> and, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll use it um, but um, but prior to that I haven't done any rendering for so long when I used to do it (coughs) before um, there was no render mesh Um, so I've not used it as of yet so um, but uh, uh, I've seen it used and it seems to be okay I mean you put your first coat on basically and just squash the mesh into it which uh, if you've been plastering long enough that should not cause you a problem Um, I would imagine it does give you a um, a much stronger surface there and a bit less chance of cracking but with sand and cement, because it's so rigid, um, it is prone to cracking. If um, if you're doing any internal rendering with the sand and cement, that's going to have a skim on it. Um, it's definitely never skim the sand and cement the same day. It can set hard enough that you could put a skim over it, but um, you can get some amazingly terrible cracks come through because as the cement dries, it shrinks, and if the finish is already on there, that does the same, and that will cracks the cracks come through the finish. Um, they're not really structural um, still solid as a rock but the cracks just look terrible and your customer will have a hippie fit that his wall's falling de- like falling off and uh, you don't want that to happen so uh, yeah, when it comes to cracks and any kind of um, stuff you're using and the same plaster today has got no flexibility in it at all so and um, the odd hairline crack in a new wall as I like, tell my customers you can't guarantee that they won't get one but most of them the hairline cracks are so fine that a couple of coats of paint will fill them <clears throat> uh, Eddie, what do you do if you see any dips in your plaster after you have finished with your metal speed skin I uh, do use the f- uh, fat from you um, yeah if I've got any dips at all um, Eddie then I will um, if I'm still getting fat off the wall uh, then I'll, I'll use the fat to fill them but again with any of that you just you just have to be careful excuse me, have to be careful as you go because um, yeah, if you've got dips in the wall and it's gone too far and there is no more fat <laughs> then um you you're st- you start basically if it if it looks bad. <laughs> but uh but yeah, yeah. Right, okay guys, um don't know how long we've been running but I'm gonna call it a night for tonight. Uh thanks for coming. I say all of you guys drop us an email um and I'll send you the number to the studio so uh, <clears throat> we can get a few phone calls in for uh, the next one. Um, it's booked in for a month's time, but I might do one sooner. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Obviously, I'll put the usual one, um, the usual uh, advert out there to say that it's coming up. Um, but um, tomorrow or the next day, my uh, latest video is coming out. Uh, that is, um, that's in. Let's take this. That's damp inside where wall's got quite a lot of black and green in it, where the um, customer's downpipe had been leaking for years and it's me basically hacking that off, putting back a waterproof sand and cement render, and then a skim over the top of that, and how that's done. Um, so that be out should be out tomorrow on my channel, so if you wanna take a look at that. And uh, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, well, that arch came out all right at the end of the day, mate. <laughs> so, he paid me, and he lives across the road from me, so <laughs> he's a neighbor. Uh, so he would've been a yeah, no, no, no worries, Blade Boy. Uh, cheers, Max. Right, guys. Uh, I'll see you soon, and uh, yeah, keep up the good work, as they say at the end of a lot of these uh, buildery-type uh, <laughs> channels and stuff. Uh, right, here we go. Uh, boom, boom. Right, this is Eric the Plasterer signing out. <laughs> see you soon. Cheers, guys.